Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Being that we're talking about Dr. T and the women today, I'm curious, being that uh, Altman has, I think, uh, like legitimately like 40 or 50 movies <laughs> up there at least uh what was everybody's introduction and what's everybody's opinion favorite movie from him etc uh charlie yeah um i didn't get into altman until i was in college i took a uh writing a feature film class and one of our first assignments was in class we were supposed to take notes on the player which was a very good assignment because that film is all about you know screenwriting structure uh, like that one a lot. And then um, I blindly bought the Criterion DVD for Shortcuts, which to this day is one of my favorite movies. And also, as someone who re uh, religiously watched Magnolia over and over again in high school, was like, oh! And, you know, like, remembering at the end of Magnolia, like, dedicated to Robert Altman. Like, oh, of course! And then in college, I just had a huge Altman phase where I went through, especially his 70s work. Like, I, I, I got into, you know, I watched... Um, Nashville, Three Women, Brewster McLeod, MASH, Images. I think my favorite film of his, and the one that I've returned to the most, is McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which I've written about. Um, I've seen on 35mm uh, at the Brattle, which is a great nonprofit theater in Boston. I adore that film and how it is both a perfect Western and anti-Western, and just the ways it examines uh, gender roles within that time. And... Um, uh, just the loneliness of that film just aches so deeply with, within me every time I watch it. I think it's it just, it, I love Altman's aesthetic. I love his, um, that one, it, not necessarily that one's focused on two main characters, but also like many of his other films are, is also an ensemble piece. So I, you know, love the, uh, how he manages to take, uh, often, eclectic arrays of incredible actors and makes them feel it makes uh films that feel so alive and so vibrant um so i am certainly a fan uh which is probably why i like this film more than most people uh at least based on uh what i cut his mic cut his mic cut his mic get him out of here no, but yeah uh no. i'll i'll yeah i'll just stop there <laughs> okay um Let's see. The first movie I watched, I believe, was The Player. Uh, I've seen six of his movies. I would say... I think The Player is fine. Uh, the Long Goodbye, I really dig. I love that um, one, too. I actually didn't mention that one, but that is another one I am very fond of. Yeah. Yeah, I really dig The Long Goodbye, and that's pretty much the only one. Wow. So, uh, another hot take I will say is that a Magnolia is a better Robert Altman movie than Robert Altman can make. There, I said it. Oh, oh have you seen? Burn. Look, I love, I adore Magnolia. Have you seen National or Shortcuts? I've seen Shortcuts. Okay. That is a movie that you definitely can notice that it is three hours long. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, I love uh, that. That movie has one of my favorite casts of any movie ever. I mean,. I will just show you. I know podcast is an auditory medium, but I will just show you that Jennifer Jason Lee is my background on my phone from Shortcuts. <laughs> well, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, I everybody in it I really dig. I don't think it's bad. Like, there's only, like, 
I would only say uh, Gosford Park and Dr. T and the women. I was just like, absolutely not. All the rest of them, I was like, eh, Oh, you didn't okay. like Gosford Park? Gosford Park's great. I think that actually Gosford came Park out right after this a one. bunch of British people mumbling around for two and a half hours. I'm good. I would rather watch Clue. Anyways, um, <laughs> Images was fine. Uh, but yeah, The Long Goodbye is like really fucking good. That's that's a fun time. Just just a guy being the coolest motherfucker ever and having a having a cat. Hell yeah. Well, I love the long goodbye too, and that's that would be my pick for um, an Altman film. And I think it's interesting that you say he's being a cool guy because actually that's what I like about the film is that he's really not a cool guy, and he keeps, yeah. he keeps bumbling and fucking up and having all right. these things happen to him. But he is. Like, he's supposed to be really cool, and he is really cool in certain ways, but I love yeah, that yeah, subversion. Yeah. Um, it's just really cool, and I love how it's a satire, and of course, I love Altman's trademark overlapping dialogue. It feels so realistic. Mm-hmm. It's so great. He always gets a great cast together. He elicits great performances, and Elliot Gould's performance in The Long Goodbye is so goddamn good. It's just spectacular yeah so i love that you mentioned the long goodbye kevin because it's such a great film so yeah i've seen part of mccabe and mrs miller that was actually my first altman film um and i yeah i thought it was okay but i just i really like the ambiance and the production design i think that's incredible um but yeah but i haven't finished it i need to finish it so but yeah so i'm gonna go with the long goodbye yeah i'm like the strange one, I guess, and I've seen like maybe <laughs> six Altman movies. And my first one was, uh, I think, when I was like thirteen. I just, I, I was like at home with my mom and my grandma, and said like, "Hey, like, why don't we watch a Prairie Home Companion or whatever?" I like rented it from my <laughs> so started at the end. I guess it's because like it had actors who I knew they liked, you know, like Meryl Streep and Lily right. Tomlin and a lot of other people, and I just felt like, "Oh yeah, like it will be like." You know, it'll be, like, inoffensive or whatever. I don't think I understood what that movie was working off of. I, I wasn't listening to Garrison Keillor's uh, radio show. Um, I was, and, and I know that was a movie, I, I, although I was reading a lot of Roger Ebert at the time, and I know he, like, loved that movie. And there's, like, the the Ebert and Roper review where uh, he, for Richard Roper, I think, says he doesn't like the movie. And Ebert is like, you have the appearance of a human, but in fact, you are an android. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen Prairie Home Companion, even though I own it. It's on my shelf. Um, I remember that being a movie, too. I think it came out the same year that he died, and I remember it getting like pretty good reviews, but then uh, after his passing, I'm pretty sure that appeared on like a lot of top ten films. I remember A.O. Scott was like, it might not be one of his great movies, but it's. I'm just so sad that I will not get any more from him, and then I rewatched this movie and felt you know, such gratitude that it exists, so... Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the that's the first one I saw, and then like I don't know, I've been slowly catching up with this work. Um, I think the the best one I've seen so far is um, honestly, it's Gosford Park. I, I really really like that one a lot. That, that I also watched that with my that, I watched that with my family uh, last summer, and that went down like surprisingly easy because uh, I was like expecting. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's because like I know the writer of that uh, is it Julian Fellows? I think who went on to create uh, Downton Abbey, and I that's yes. like that. I've never seen Downton Abbey, but that's, like, just, like, sort of hoity-toity, like, you know, British society. I'm just, like, I, I, I'm not interested in that. But, like, here, <laughs> I feel like there is, like, a lot of interesting, like, class commentary and, like, you know, very, like, cutting dialogue as everyone's just sort of, like, politely sniping at each other. I love that everyone just, like, hates Ryan Philippe in that movie and being, like, what's up with this Jewish <laughs> accent? And, and even when he's revealed he's an that actor. Was, that was my main complaint. Everybody should love, like, yeah, it's the Homer joke. It's, like, whenever Ryan Philippe is on screen, everybody should be saying, I love Ryan Philippe. Should yeah. we? No, I think... <laughs> we should not yes 
What? Oh, I love that's what I love so too much. is like, even when it's revealed he's like a Hollywood actor, like everyone's just like spilling coffee on him and like just being an asshole to him. Like it's so funny. Um, yeah, and I love Maggie like, Smith in that movie too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. And just like yeah, his direction in that movie is great too. I mean, like when like the big reveal is happening, it's just like you. I think it's mostly just like a character like sitting in a dark room, like the sound of like howling wind in the background, they're slowly zooming in on them. It's like the reveal all the details of everything that's happened in the movie is just like, Oh my gosh, like the, the direction that's so strong. Yeah. That was like a very, uh, that's like, that's my favorite one I've seen so far, but I also really like the player. Uh, that's, those are two that I mm -hmm. quite liked. So yeah. Welcome to Almost Major, a podcast where we talk about many major studios and the films that are released. Uh, we are doing Dr. T and the Women from 2000 while we're still on our Artisan miniseries. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Bryden Doyle. Hello. And Charlie Nash. Hello. And joining us again is our special guest from the Spoiler Piece podcast. It is Megan Kearns. How are you? Hello. I'm great. How are you? I am furious because we're talking about this, but anyways. Uh, I cannot wait. Yay. Um, anyways, Dr. T and the Women premiered at Venice and TIFF in September 2000. It was released wide on October 13th in the U.S. 2000, a wide release of, of 1,400 theaters. It came in at seventh place. Top five movies that week. I'm pretty sure we've done this week or somewhere similar because this is like the third ah. time we've talked about Meet the Parents being in the top five. Um, the top five is Meet the Parents, Remember the Titans, Lost Souls, Hell Yeah, The Ladies Man, and The Contender. I have not seen any of those. <laughs> you haven't seen Lost Souls. No, wait, 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 wait. No, I lied. I've seen Meet the Parents once. I don't understand that the love that movie got. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually the lone sitting on an island yeah. alone on that one so no i just think that movie's lame oh. and also unpleasant yeah like, very unpleasant yeah <laughs> I the contender's okay by that. the way though i i love joan allen yeah i do too list, yeah that's so, really the reason yeah. to watch it is because it's joan allen mm -hmm. i've seen remember remember the titans that was a movie i think i first watched in school and like it was like the last oh, day yeah. of school and, and the teacher oh, was yeah. like all right this is a, a very good movie we should we should watch that i'm like oh yeah it's, it's yeah i've seen i've seen it no less than 10 times in school yeah. yeah over the over the 12 years that's that was the classic i don't feel like teaching to watch fucking remember the titans the school has nine <laughs> copies yeah <laughs> I, I I never saw it because I was no. too busy being a nerd and watching Big Trouble in Little China over and over again. Oh, nice, Charlie. So. That's just way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lost Souls, terrible movie. Glad I own it. Top five. Uh, top song in the U.S. this week is Come On Over Baby by Christina Aguilera. But mm -hmm. I'll be goddamned if Canada doesn't win again. Top one song in Canada this week is Music by Madonna, which fucking eclipses. Oh. So Canada uh. wins two weeks in a row, man. Uh, Dr. T and the Women is about Dr. Sullivan Travis, a.k.a. the, uh, the titular Mr. Mr. T, a man at the top of his game, a rich and successful da Dallas gynecologist whose religion is women. This is from Google. I did not write this. Dr. T worships women. <laughs> in his immediate family and in his office, they surround him. He is loving and giving to each and every one of them at all times. He is their savior. Um okay and sure enough as in the story of job one day is a higher force decide decides to test his fate once a man in complete control of his universe dr t now finds himself buffeted by chaos and confusion uh this plot description reminds me like when when uh fucking 
Nicholson at the beginning of Something's Gotta Give when he's just like, ah, women. We love them. <laughs> God. <laughs> While fucking uh... Butterfly by Crazy Town is playing, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Wait, what? You don't remember that? Something's Gotta Give as either. soon as it, as soon as Something's Gotta Give starts, cr- cr- fucking Butterfly by, Super- by Crazy Town starts playing. And it's just like do, two minutes not. of women just walking around, and it looks like a uh, looks like a fucking Sears commercial. And then I, <laughs> yeah, my my I have not seen something's got to give since it was on like HBO uh, back in two thousand four, I think. And I just remember watching it with my mom and my grandmother and being deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> but I'm sure that I would like it more now. <laughs> it's not my favorite Myers movie, and it's also. Uh, like one of her movies and i'm like why is this like two and a half hours long but yeah that was that that plot description is deranged uh anyways directed by robert allman prior to this nashville in 75 shortcuts in 1993 after this gosford park in 2001 and a prairie home companion in 2006 written by ann rapp prior to this she wrote cookies fortune in 1999 which is also an ultimate directed movie these are the only two underrated one i like that one yeah, I was going to try to watch that before, but didn't have the time. It was either that or the company, and then I was just like, how about I just go to bed? Um, these are the only two <laughs> films she has written, and she mainly works as a script supervisor. Starring. Yeah. Um, okay. Just really quickly, um, I have not dug into this book uh, too deeply, but just because for this podcast, I looked up to see what uh, the Robert Altman bio- oral biography by Mitchell Zuckoff had to say about uh, Dr. T and the women, and... There's quotes from Anne Rapp talking about how she feels like she had a pretty positive experience working with Robert Altman, even though he would like change a lot of stuff. Um, Robert Benton uh, comes in and says that it sounds like he has like a less uh, rosy view of their relationship, saying that like uh, the Cookies Fortune script was like really well received, but then like almost like it seems like Altman was like retaliated against Anne Rapp by like changing all the stuff in, in Cookies Fortune. It's like it, uh, Benton says it was as though he couldn't stand that everyone loved the script of Cookies Fortune. He was not going to let that happen again. But then Anne Rapp says like. Eh, I don't know. I think we had a pretty good relationship, and every. But then she says, "I feel like I felt like a good writer for the three years when I was with Bob. I have had nothing but doubts since, uh, which is kind of sad to think about that." Yeah, uh, that is there, sad. this is this is also an interesting little tidbit um, in this book that I have Altman on Altman. Uh, the interviewer for the Doctor T and the Women segment uh, questions. And Rap told me that you even suggested calling the film Pussy, oh. which I did not know. Okay. <laughs> well, that would actually make sense as to why there's so much obsession visually and dialogue-wise about wetness. Yes. Oh, my There is quite oh a bit of that. Oh, my God. There's what a storm. <laughs> there's a storm, all right. <laughs> and a water fountain that plays a big role. Anyways. And sprinklers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else from that book, Charlie, that's interesting? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll probably get into it. Okay. I mean, there are certain things that I don't want to just, yeah, I don't want to jump the gun. So One thing really quickly is just like, uh, because it's not getting directly into the movie, but it's uh, when the movie played a tiff, uh, Robert Altman said, I just want to say one thing. If anybody in this room has a question about misogyny, I want to just point out that this film was written by a woman. Uh, that's what he said. At the there's a Go quote fuck in yourself. here about, okay. th- there's, there's a quote in here about that too. Yeah. Go that's fuck yourself. the most oh God. bullshit comment oh my god if that's not the most i'm not racist i have a black friend right Uh, i mean i i even love i mean i even like like mash is a film that i think is a scathing dark comedy but like i mean altman like it 
and he's one of my favorite filmmakers, but he, there's certainly been dicey issues with, uh, with female characters and representations of women that I think is fair game, mm -hmm. like, and including in this movie, which I, we might get into. But, oh, we will. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there was another interview I saw that was like, it was, it was of the time and it was like, yeah, and rap worked with him on Cookie's Fortune and this, and Robert Altman's next movie is going to be a British film. And she was just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not coming along for that one. <laughs> Just like I, I only write about Texas. Sorry, yeah. Uh, starring Richard Gere as Doctor T. Prior to this, Days of Heaven in 1978, Pretty Woman in 1990. After this, he has a great, ex great appearance on Simpsons in 2001 as himself, as he teaches Lisa <laughs> about Buddhism. Um, there's a great line where he's just like, "No, it's fine. You can interrupt me. I was only trying to reach enlightenment." But who would have thought? The Mothman prophecies in 2002. Hell yeah. Uh, Helen Hunt as Brie prior to this won the Oscar for As Good As It Gets in 1997 the same year this is her fucking banner year mm -hmm. the Castaway Pay It Forward What Women Want and this movie um, yeah she had a busy year yeah Dog. she was busy yeah. and now she's nowhere for whatever reason she's drifting I, I actually don't know oh, yeah that's yeah. right oh, okay yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, after this, she was also nominated for the Sessions in 2012. Huh. Uh, but yeah, that 2000 Helen Hunt year, I mean, that's not much quality in there besides like Castaway, but that's got to be up there with like uh, Jim Carrey's 94 and uh, oh God, uh, what's his name from Alfie, the remake of Alfie? Jude Law? Yeah, Jude Law's like 05 or 06 where you have like seven fucking movies come out. Yeah, Alfie, Closer, uh, Sky Captain. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Aviator. Yeah, Jude Law was everywhere. Yeah. Lemony Stickets, oh, yeah, Series of Unfortunate it. Events. Yeah. Oh, yes, the most important one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Dern as Peggy. Uh, prior to this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains of 1982, Blue Velvet 1986, Jurassic Park 1993. After this, uh, Novocaine from 2001. Uh, Kate Hudson as Dee Dee prior to this 2000 or uh, 200 cigarettes in 1999 the same year she's in Almost Famous and Gossip no Gossip I Gossip is gossip. fucking <laughs> yeah it's a it's a lot they're like the last five minutes they're like how do we end this I don't know with three twists and, yeah <laughs> this is before this is right before Almost Famous though right it's the same year Mm -hmm. No, I know it's the same year, but like this came out like a few months before it, right? Uh, I don't know. Because I remember Almost Famous was when she got like huge, deserved praise because she's right. incredible. In Oscar nominated, movie. right? Wasn't she Oscar nominated? For she that? was supposed to win that year. Marcia Gay Harden was an upset for Pollock. Oh, Pollock, were, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there the, are like the... rumors that like Kate Hudson started to get out of her seat and then they named Marcia Gay Harden. I don't know how true those rumors are, but. <laughs> Both this, and, both Doctor Timmy and the Women, and Almost Famous play a tiff. That's so funny to think about mm. that. Uh, Almost Famous comes out in September, and then Doctor Timmy and the Women comes out in October. Uh, Damn! Oh, never mind. I stand corrected. Wow. <laughs> After this, she's in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days from two thousand three. Uh, I was telling Megan off mic that there's a great bit in um, Morgan Murphy's stand-up, her lone stand-up, where she says that How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is her favorite film of all time. She watches it like seven times a year. And uh, she's watching it, and she's like, you know, she has to lose Matthew McConaughey in 10 days. She does all this crazy stuff. She brings a plant over to his apartment. <laughs> she starts talking in a baby voice. And uh, I watch that movie, and I'm just like, 
Just shit on the floor. What are you doing? Oh my You're like, God. oh, I, I'm going to use a baby foot. Just shit on the floor. What are you doing? She's like, I have actually never seen that movie. <laughs> oh my God, you're missing out, Charlie. It's amazing. I know. I need to see it's it. It's amazing. I've been... And then she ends the joke with, I'm going to make a short film called How to Lose a Guy in 17 Seconds. <laughs> but yeah. Everybody listen to that stand-up. It's that is amazing. Um, <laughs> trivia. Uh, Richard Gere later admitted that he didn't understand the finale until preview audiences explained it to him. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the first major Hollywood feature movie to show a medically explicit scene of a baby being born. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's that. That's the best oh. part of this film. I like that. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. All of the dialogue in the lengthy and complicated opening track and shot was improvised. It took five days to shoot. Whoa. Impressive. Uh, wow. Chosen to open the 2000 Chicago International Film Festival with Richard Gere in attendance, Master of Ceremonies Bill Curtis, when introducing the film, referred to it twice as Mr. T and the Women. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I also, the, I, I'm just going to throw this out there since we're talking about his name. Sullivan Travis also sounds like Sullivan's Travels. Oh, yeah. Is that like yeah. a weird, is that a purposeful joke? It, it has, has to be, be, right? It has right? to be. Like, <laughs> Did we also mention that this is like one of like t- some twenty odd movies that got the F Cinema score, which is yes. really funny to think about. Um, yeah, which which the entire time I was like, what did people really despise about that? Like mainstream audiences despise about this, and then we get to the ending, and then I'm like, oh, that must have infuriated everyone. So yeah, yeah, it says one of four films to receive an F Cinema score from audiences upon the release in 2000, along with Eye of the Beholder, Lost Souls, and Lucky Numbers. Bryden, you have five minutes. Say all you need to say. Lucky numbers, kind of interesting. Like this movie. <laughs> There's a lot of great movies that got F Cinema scores. I still want to do like a like a sideshow about F Cinema score movies, but I know. I mean, we would have to watch Fear.com and The Grudge, though. I'm fine with that. Okay. I, well, I've already seen The Grudge, so I can handle it again. It's the 2020 Grudge, the one that like not uh, yeah, not the oh, yeah. not the SMG one, not yeah. the one that made me nearly piss my pants in middle school, and now I know, realize it's a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, yeah. I re- I remember seeing that in theaters the first time when it came out, and I must have been like 12. I was like, this isn't even scary. And then I went the second time, and I was legitimately like, like looking at the floor, and I was just like, is this gonna end anytime soon? I'm really scared. I don't know what changed. <laughs> yeah, I saw it in theaters on a Friday night. I went with a friend who wore a vampire cape and like was like hissing at people, like we're being okay, edgy. And so, then, uh, and then were we were popular. like, we got there, li- okay. we were we got there late. We had to sit in the front row, and it was either teens screaming or like ferociously making out in the most disgusting fashion. Charlie, <laughs> I need to know every single thing about this person who was hissing at people wearing a vampire cape this is amazing my friend tara she's incredible i love her to death she's uh, unbelievable (laughs) i love her so much we'll talk more later about her because i know we we hung out watching vampire movies all the time interview with a vampire bram Stoker's dracula she's awesome she got she yeah she took the wrong lessons from those movies she was like that's me that's me dad that's me yeah oh Uh, like you were normal at 13 come on is anyone normal at 13 yeah Yeah. no 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 uh last trivia fact lyle lovett's first film score hopefully his His last last. um uh correction it's uh lyle lovett and his large band uh that is the cool credit yeah 
Okay, but how many actors in their band names is there ever a good one? Like Dogstar, uh, fucking what? What is uh Billy Bob Thornton's band name? Oh Jesus! Oh, was, I, I was reading some tweet about that today. It was like the Boxmasters, where he got like super pissed on that uh, Q. On the Q. Oh my God! It's so uncomfortable. It's like, would you ask Tom Petty about this? Or... <laughs> oh my God! Given that you seem to be quite passionate about music, I was wondering about your. Would you say that to Tom Petty? Would I say that he's passionate about music? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Would you explain why it's not a hobby? Would I explain why it's not a hobby? Are you reacting to the fact that I said... Yeah, I am. I am. Since you're instructed not to talk about shit like that, yeah, I am reacting to that. Yeah. I wasn't instructed to... uh, I'm I'm not really instructed. You guys are here as a band. You're performing. uh, But I... Well, the producer was instructed. Right. But... but Somewhere along the way, because I mentioned that you were an actor and a uh, well, first writer. of all, that wasn't wasn't supposed to be mentioned either, you know. But uh, but that's just giving context, right? I mean, I'm happy to interview you guys as a band, but I but you know, for the listeners, we're giving context for who you are. That's part of your trajectory, isn't it? Not really. It's not. No. You 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 would prefer me to only do this interview not mentioning at all, just yeah, to clarify, that's correct, yes. at all that you've that's ever correct. done anything in terms of acting, screenwriting. That's correct. Is, Macaul- is Macaulay Culkin still doing, what? what's his band, the Pizza Underground or something? Is that still a thing? <laughs> I do not know. And then the Bacon Brothers. You have the Bacon Brothers. Uh, also, I interrupted you, Brian, and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it was just going to be like that Q radio interview. I mean... Like, people, like, at the time gave the interviewer props uh, for, like, you know, handling that interview with, like, decorum. But it, the guy's name is John Gameshi, and he turned out to be, like, a, a really bad piece of shit. So, like... Really? Uh, that's yeah. That's not fun. Um, but, yeah. that I mean, it's still, like, a very funny interview to just, like, Thornton just, like, being, like, so unbelievably, like, thorny. Yeah, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no one understands the women of Dallas... Dr. T. What do we got? Like Dr. Sullivan Travis. You look absolutely fantastic. Does anyone tell you that lately? You. You don't understand women. Yeah. a picture of my butt. I would take a picture of your butt. By nature, they are saints. You're going to be the best damn menopause patient you've ever had. Every single woman I have ever met (laughs) got something special about her. The gynecologist says there's no two alike. I guess there's no two alike. But when it comes to the women in his own life... I got two daughters. One of them's getting married and the other one's kind of jealous. Things are a little more complicated. Bree Davis to see Dr. Travis? We're all here to see Dr. T. Dr. T and the women. I'll go last. Uh, Megan, as our guest, can you please start us off? Sure. So I really, really... This premise is one of the most absurd premises. It's ridiculous. Uh Um, I have a massive problem with the way the women are depicted in this film. It's incredibly sexist. It's incredibly offensive. Most of the women are nothing but tropes. Um, Helen Hunt's character, Brie, is a little bit more fleshed out, a little bit more nuanced. Um, I stress a little bit. I do like that there is a queer women love story in it. And also, though, but why is Dr. T so freaked out about it? But I love that Helen Hunt, you know, is like, it's not a big deal. You're making too big of a deal about this. Let her be happy. That's great. Um, I think the saving grace of this film 
is Richard Gere. I think Richard Gere gives such a fantastic, surprisingly mm-hmm. fantastic performance. And I say that I really like Richard Gere. I always like him. I always find him enjoyable. But this performance is kind of, I don't want to say it's different for him, but there's something about it that really anchors the film. I don't think the film, and I was going to say, I know, Kevin, you don't think the film works at all, but I don't think this film would even work remotely without him and without this performance because it's so subtle and it's tender and it's very somber and it's very sad. Um, Mm. I wish, though, that it wasn't the mad woman in the attic trope that kicked off his narrative arc, which is a massive problem. Um, but yeah, but I think that Richard Gere is the saving, saving grace of this film. And I love his performance in this. Interesting. Right. Uh, Charlie. Yeah, I can't, I cannot disagree, uh, with anything you've just said, Megan, but I did enjoy this. I think a part of it is I'm a sucker for the Altman ensemble dramedy. At least this one is a dramedy. I, I, I can't. Like, definitely some of the characters are better developed than others. I agree with you that Farrah Fawcett is just kind of, she's crazy, like, whatever, like, kind of trope, which is not great. I mean, we don't really get why she has this meltdown. She just kind of has it, and then she's in the psychiatric institution for the rest of the movie. I think part of it has to do with, I like, as, as we mentioned before, I love how Altman balances all of these characters together, even if they're not fully fleshed out and are a bit stereotypical. I love all the actors so much that... Oh, the actors even, are great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I, for example, I think we definitely could have spent a little more time with Laura Dern and why she's an alcoholic. Right. That's never really fleshed out. No. At the same time, I did laugh a lot especially in regards to subtle little moments that clearly show she's an alcoholic, but no one's really commenting on that, but it makes it clear to the viewer, like, there's something going on here. Uh, I even liked, um, I mean, a while back we talked about Van Wilder, and we talked about how Tara Reid was basically asleep during that movie, Um. and I think she's really great here as this (laughs) conspiracy theorist, which I thought was very funny. (laughs) Um, I I, I also think it's funny that I, I enjoyed... I. I do, I can't argue that the film isn't sexist, because I, I definitely think it kind of is, but I like that the fact is that it's about this man who believes he fully understands women and doesn't understand them at all. No. And I feel like the joke <laughs> is kind of in on him at the end, especially with the bonkers ending. I feel like it's very critical of him in a certain way. And opposite of 24-Hour Woman, which we discussed on last week's show, when everything starts piling up and gets insane, I actually thought that it was funny and it was in relation to how this man can't relate or respond correctly to anything when I actually feel like every woman has a reason to feel this way. That's <laughs> a great it, point. Uh, That's a really it, great point. I, I, I really thought it was funny how it was, the movie was almost, I felt like, and this is my interpretation, I could be wrong here, but I felt like the movie was kind of mocking him for being like, my life is in shambles, or it's like, none of this has to do with you. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, it really, like, is just him getting kind of, and then how it, you brought up the Helen Hunt character, I love that it all culminates, and then he goes back to the Helen Hunt character, and what we will not spoil in Helen Hunt basically says, like, no, dude. Like, oh, that's uh, a great we'll, we'll scene. That scene is I, great. I, yeah, so I won't deny that there are problematic elements here. It is certainly not top-tier Altman. It's very fluffy, but I 
I can't deny, and maybe this is just a personal thing, I miss Altman movies, and I haven't watched one in a while, and to see it kind of, I haven't really seen much of his later work in the 2000s, so I found it pretty fascinating, if slight work from him. I, and again, I can't disagree with any of the criticisms you have, but I did enjoy it, so that's my take. Brian? Yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, I do think there's like a lot of really lumpy bits. I definitely wasn't a fan of like some of the the punnier jokes. I mean, all, I think we talked about like all this stuff like where it's just like, it's just like Richard Richard Gere and his his friends on guy trips talking about like how wet women are. Like they they keep going back to that like four <sighs> or five times. I'm like, I, I get it. Can you maybe like <laughs> not hammer it home? And like the we we also like were kind of dunking on the score. I don't know if it was here or off mic and or anything, but like the Lyle Lovett music, where like every time like someone says something like, uh, "Oh, what kind of doctor is he? Uh, he's the lucky kind." And then like literally the drums <laughs> that kick in are like dumps like kind of that yeah. stuff or like fiddle uh, music that it's just like oh my gosh like stop like punctuating it and it's just like you don't need to like give like the sledgehammer approach of like the lines but like i think there are like a lot of like really good um like background jokes like both in like dialogue and visual like i love that like during like the big um it's like a uh, a bridal shower like the the camera like is like just panning across the room and then like you see like the 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 maid who's like working at richard gear's house is just sort of like putting away presents and she just like turns around and like takes like a drink from like one of the drinks that like is yes. being passed around at the party <laughs> yeah just like kind of like little gags that are like are just like interspersed throughout there or like all like the little snatches of dialogue that come in like the overlapping uh bits of dialogue i always i i, I like there's like kind of like stuff that like will occasionally like like, the, the stuff that, like, it, it sort of does get to the point where, like, you can't always hear everything that's being said clearly, but then, like, the stuff that does come out through really clearly is, like, re- like does turn out to be something, like, really kind of off-kilter and funny. Um, and I do think the movie is dunking on Richard Gere for, like, his character, thinking, like, he is, like, mansplaining, like, how, like, oh, you know, guys, like, you're, you, you don't know how, like, women are. I know how <laughs> women are. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it turns out he really doesn't, or he doesn't know how to deal with it when things are not going the way he expects. And, um, uh, like, the, you know, like, I, I the movie, I think the movie is, like, clearly subversive in that regard, but, um, I do understand maybe the idea of, like, how some of the characters are a little broad. I, it is more, like, the performances that are kind of filling in, like, the, the female characters. Like, I, I, I mean, I did, like, um, yeah, Laura Dern, I mean, yeah, her character is, like, kind of, like, just, like, the, the messy, comical alcoholic and everything, but, like, the drunk acting is, like, just so on point and everything, where she's, like, talking sort of, like, yep, we're gonna take care of this, like, almost, like, it sounds like she's about, like, on the verge of, like, throwing up, or just, like, really kind of tired, like, that's, like, I feel like that's, like, a particular kind of drunk that she gets really well, and, uh, Tara Reed, very funny, I think, when she's, like, you know, giving orders about, like, you know, we can't have the outdoor wedding, she's, like, got the beret on, she's, like, insistently, like, pounding on, like, a chair or something, like, she's, like, giving, like, a few you know an impassioned speech you know that like all those like performance beats it makes me like it, it's nice to see like actors who maybe have not always had the best careers i know people kind of mm. you know dunk on tarot read and everything mm. it's like it's like oh like there was like a director that's maybe pushing someone in the right direction and giving them like you know good notes and everything there could be like a, a different career path that could have been there but um yeah and i like i, I do we talked a few weeks ago about nova kane where like that movie has like kind of like a weird also sat in a doctor's office a lot of the time but like mm-hmm. um you know, that movie, like, tries to, like, give, like, the sense of chaos by just, like, kind of, like, constantly moving the camera around and, like, having just people yell things at each other. And I feel like 
this movie does a much better job of sort of like orchestrating the chaos where like it will be like steadily just building where like more and more people are filing into the room the mm-hmm. camera just keeps going back and forth and like the, it just gets louder and louder and louder and i feel like the dialogue does like have like i said i do think some of the jokes don't always land but like there is like genuine wit to some of the exchanges here that like makes the chaos feel a little bit more thought out and also earned and yeah and also the ending's out of left turn but i also feel like the movie's like kind of so daffy throughout with like all the the references to like to storms and like you know jfk's assassination that i was like thinking okay well this movie's gonna either gonna end with like a a crazy storm or someone getting assassinated i'm like kind of prepared for whatever and then they get to the end it's like okay sure <laughs> like i just kind of like took it as trying because i was just sort of prepared for something weird to happen like the whole way through so yeah i i obviously I don't think this is one of Altman's best movies, but like, I thought this was like at least like an interesting curio all the same. And I think there's like stuff to admire mm-hmm. throughout. So that's, I, I just, I just want to throw out that like some of what you mentioned about the Laura Dern character and how some funny lines are like in the background. I wrote down, honey, give uncle Sully back that fetus yes. like, <laughs> to one of her, her daughters, the three daughters that she can never control. And it's just like in the background, I like little things like that. I just loved. Yeah. Laura Dern's always amazing. She's always great. She's, and her costumes. Oh. oh my God. Well, all of the costumes in this movie oh. I actually loved. Yeah. <laughs> They're spectacular. <sighs> this movie fucking sucks so bad, dude. <laughs> I fucking hate this movie. It's the most, like, milquetoast born. I do not care about any of these fucking people. I do not like Richard Gere as an actor besides an unfaithful, honestly. Uh, and that's an entire movie about him just fucking being a loser <laughs> so it's like I, I, and it's uh, first of all it's like how how am i supposed to it's like he plays a certain type of guy who's like oh man i know women and blah 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 and it's like i get it that's supposed to be satirical because he actually doesn't know anything but it's just like i don't know how am i am i really supposed to be like after 20 minutes and your your wife is committed for a fake illness that and then you're just like helen hunt's here also there's no suspense or are they aren't they there's just immediately it's gonna happen because movie and she's so fucking boring in this movie they're both so boring every time they talk and you're just like can you just hurry up get together so that the eventual will happen yeah it 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 was like a it was like the longest two hours i've had in many years i'm gonna be honest it was so fucking boring like everything that was that you know and even while I was watching it, I was like, okay, maybe it's just the richer gear of it all. Like, how can a scene with, like, Laura Dern, Tara Reid, and Liv Tyler, and, like, Kate Hudson, how could that be boring? So, like, when you do get scenes like that, I'm just like, I don't know. It feels like, it feels like there was, like, I don't know, it's like we're dropped in the middle of a conversation that we didn't understand what was coming before, and then we're just, like, it, they're just talking, and I just do not fucking care about the stupid wedding. Like, I do not care. Uh, it gets somewhat interesting when you realize that, you know, what what's actually happening with the wedding and what actually is going to happen. Like, sure, that's interesting enough, but I think it's mostly just the thing that ties it down the most is, like, do not fucking care about Richard Gere's character, and especially when Ellen Hunt comes in, it's like, this is the most boring romance ever. Just, ugh. And then that ending is just go fuck yourself but anyways uh so yeah <laughs> i i i guess to my my i i guess i find that helen hunt richard gear stuff to be kind of the most formulaic and least interesting bit of the movie but i feel like the movie almost comments on how it's like nothing special in the end which is what i liked like that she's like i mean 
you feel this way, but like, and I have fun with you, but clearly like, I mean, not to jump into the plot, but there's reasons behind why she's not going to do a certain thing. Um, Yeah. I guess, I I guess I, I found it. It's so funny that you said this was so long because even when it was like, falling flat occasionally i found it to be so breezy in a way because of all the actors and yeah in in addition to like i don't care about the wedding i like that there's a certain development we'll get into with the Liv tyler character where she eventually it's not just about how richard Gere reacts you get a scene where Liv tyler tells mm-hmm. another character about wh- about a certain scene that happens and the other character's like whatever who cares like you know like <laughs> I, it's just like which i loved uh, i so uh, yeah, I I didn't necessarily care about Doctor T necessarily, but I was interested in like all of these court. They are maybe archetypes that aren't fully fleshed out, but I found them all very interesting and you know actors doing very idiosyncratic types of performances. Like just again, the Laura Dern character, even small things like they're taking a group photo and she falls over trying to get into it. I found to be very funny (laughs) where it's kind of like the movie's showing you so clearly that she's an alcoholic. And then like everyone's kind of like either not acknowledging it and they know, or they're just oblivious to it. I found to be kind of sadly funny in a weird way because it's like, Maybe the movie should flush them out all the time, but I also part of what makes Altman ensemble comedies so good is that that's sometimes life, and it is not as well fleshed out as in something like Nashville or Shortcuts because it is very farcical here. But I do admire the effort, if that makes sense. I think it's so interesting that you're both saying that the least interesting part is the Richard Gere, Helen Hunt scenes, because I actually found those to be the most interesting. Mm. I found those so fascinating because it felt the most like real life. And especially considering that so much of this film is farcical, so much of it is just absurd chaos nonstop. That felt very realistic to me. It felt like two mature people, you know, flirting with each other very subtly, but going on dates, kind of getting to know each other, very attracted to each other. And it just, it felt very real and very organic. So to me, I really found those scenes very, very interesting. Um, I also think something really interesting about this film is it's very particular in that it's commenting on high society in Texas. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very specific section of the population and it's one that I can't relate to and many people can't relate to, but it's, it is kind of interesting to see that. And I think, I don't know if I read a review that talked about it this way or if Altman himself talked about it this way, but he was compared to kind of an anthropologist in this, like kind of watching this society and this segment of the population interact. And so I think kind of the notion about thinking about Laura Dern being an alcoholic in this and how people are kind of ignoring it, Not that that's great, of course, because it's not. It's terrible and it's tragic. But I am kind of wondering if that's kind of playing into, in a light, breezy way, kind of like how high society glosses over things and tries to not look at things too closely. I don't know. But yeah, but I found that kind of interesting, even if it doesn't always Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And I like, I think the the Helen Hunt and Richard Gere relationship is necessary to like, you know, the story because like the whole thing with like Richard Gere is like he feels like he has like he's like patting himself on the back and giving it and sort of like imposing it on himself like I need to help these women and Helen yes. and, like throughout throughout their like their dynamics he's always like offering to do things for her she's like can you just like let me do my thing like mm-hmm. let me let me do my job you don't need to do everything <laughs> for me like it's and that 
that gets at him. Like he's like, like when she goes to like get the flag, like when they're like uh, on the golf course, he's like a little bit burned about it. He's like, he's like, he's like thinking, why are you not letting me do this? And then she's like that necessary challenge to him. And I think that's interesting. Now, I don't know how the ending factors into this because like, there's a whole conversation <laughs> yeah. where he's like talking about like, there's also a scene where he's like talking about like, you know, boys like, you know, coming out like uh, during bursts and everything like and women are always like competing to get out like in bursts if like they're twins or like, like twin girls and everything. And like, I'm not entirely sure how the ending, like if the, if the ending like completely undermines like the movie's like subversiveness, like towards his like sort of <laughs> superiority complex and everything, but it's. I don't know. We'll maybe get into that, but there's some interesting stuff to hash out, and I think the Helen Hunt and Richard Gere things are at least an interesting sort of conflict with regards to his uh, his character arc. And I so agree with you, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. I got too excited. <laughs> yeah, no, and also, like, I, I think Gere's fine in this movie, but I think also, like, him maybe if if others find him flat, I would say, like, the, the counterpoint I would offer is, like, the fact that everyone else is, like, such a colorful personality, and he's sort of, like, the, the anchoring force, like, I think is, like, sort of necessary, where he's just sort yes. of, like, they're, like, he's, yes. like, a sounding board for everyone else in the movie. I think that yes. works. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a very generous performance, frankly, for all of these other actors to bounce off of him, mm-hmm. and for him to just be kind of, like, I, I like, oh, Kevin's not here. I kind <laughs> of was in the same boat as Kevin for a bit, where I was like, I don't get Richard Gere. And then I actually have seen, like, movies like this. I think he's very good. I think, as Kevin mentioned, he's very good in Unfaithful, American Gigolo. I, I've started to come around and be like, okay, no, I, I get it. Like, I, I see what's going on here. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Bryden and Megan, that I like that it is kind of called... I mean, it goes back to the title, Dr. T and the Women, and I think what makes it so interesting is, yeah, like, it. he's a movie star, but it does take a good amount of maturity as an actor to share a scene where, I don't know, I can't believe I'm about to bring this up, but like there are certain actors, for example, let's just say Jared Leto, who can never share a scene oh, with God. anybody. <laughs> and Gear is very, very generous to like, I think the scenes with Helen Hunt work because he allows Helen Hunt to breathe all the personality she has into the relationship. And I think that's interesting contrasting it with a character who claims to know everything about women and then allows all the women to play off of him and he can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, you know, as even though they might be stereotypical or broad uh, caricatures of a certain type of woman who lives in Dallas, I like that, and that's the Altman of it all, too, that I like, is that, you know, it's even the beginning of the movie is so Altman-esque, that opening credit sequence, it's a long take of the gynecology office where it's just people talking over each other and this long take of, clearly there are so many people within the world out who all love Dr. T, (laughs) but like, you know, the movie isn't fully about him and it's all about how he claims to be, yeah, so generous and so pacifist and like all this stuff. But when it comes to actual things that don't really concern him apart from his response, he's like, I can't take it. Like that, that kind of when everything piles up, he, he also has to be in a very internalized state of, I can't take this anymore without, ever overacting over the performers, but I think that does kind of fit into the film's commentary on how men perceive that they, like, even has that quote at the beginning of, like, it's, uh, you know, um, women are always, I I don't have it exactly down, but he mentioned something in the very beginning of, like, you know, women are always perceived as crazy, but Mm -hmm. it always takes men to get there, is basically what that implies. And, like, the fact that, he, you know, it, it, it is, it, it, it's, it's, I think the reason people also hated this movie is because it is a very kind of, um, 
a, a very like all over the place satire with no hand holding as to like you know Altman's kind of like you know I, I I can imagine Altman like looking at the like. Uh, audience reception just being like, oh, well, that's not my problem. I've been making <laughs> these types of movies for years, you know, that type of thing. Which in 2000, you know, with this and with this type of material, I can only imagine how, yeah. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think you're both hitting on something interesting about the commentary on masculinity in this film because he definitely, Dr. T definitely has a male savior complex. Like he thinks that he's the only one who has the key to women. He's only going to understand them. He's going to unlock the secrets of women to his, you know, bro dude friends who don't understand women either. And he thinks he's going to fix everything. And I know we haven't gotten into the plot yet, but he, you know, he says <laughs> that to Helen Hunt, essentially, like he wants to help her and save her. And she's like, no. And that's the thing is that it, it really is. A, and whether it works always or not, I think we obviously have varying opinions on, but it is an interesting look at the way masculinity interacts with the world and with women specifically. All right, let's get started on the plot. Dr. Sullivan Travis, a.k.a. Dr. T, played by Richard Gere, is a wealthy Dallas gynecologist for some of the wealthiest women in Texas who finds his life begin to fall apart, starting when his wife Kate, played by Farrah Fawcett, suffers from Hestia Complex, a rare type of infantilizing syndrome of wealthy women receding into a childlike state and after she disrobes in a shopping mall fountain while shopping for her daughter's wedding registry at Tiffany's is committed to a state mental hospital. When Dr. T visit, visits Kate, she rebuffs his kisses as improper and he sees her preteen psychic age cannot be brought back to adulthood by his affection. Dr. T's eldest daughter, Dee Dee, played by Kate Hudson, a student at Southern Methodist University and alternate for the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, is planning to go through with her approaching wedding despite the secret she is romantically involved with Marilyn, played by Liv Tyler, her former college friend in Houston, and the maid of honor. Dr. T's youngest daughter, Connie, is a conspiracy theorist and eventually reveals to her father that Dee Dee and Marilyn are lovers. When Marilyn is on the examining table for the first time, she surmises her condition is caused by the stress of being the maid of honor for her friend Dee Dee. Dr. T realizes she is Dee Dee's lover and, be and becomes embarrassed mid-examination, asking the nurse to finish. Dr. T's loyal secretary, Carolyn, played by Shelley Long, has romantic feelings for him, which are not mutual. In a, farce, in a uh, scene at the work day in, she locks the office door and gives him a shoulder massage from behind the chair, secretly disrobing while emphasizing his need for a loving wife. Refreshed but unaware of her intentions, he goes to the coat closet, turns and finds she has vanished from under the desk. She says he never empties his trash baskets. Approaching the desk, he glimpses her state of undress and quickly leaves. I don't know why this plot description is all over the place. That happens like 30 minutes left. That in the was movie. like, they devoted so much time to like just that one that scene. One and scene. Everything else just like, I know. <laughs> so weird. Sailed over it. They're really uh, obsessed with Shelley Long. <laughs> I know. Who, God, I, I'm embarrassed for her in this movie because that, that role sucks. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. T's alcoholic sister-in-law, Peggy, played by Laura Dern, unintentionally meddles in every situation she stumbles in. She is currently divorced and has moved into his house with her three young daughters. At his golf club, Bree, Helen Hunt, uh, a golf pro, gets accidentally soaked by the automatic sprinklers and he offers a towel in his dry golf cart and they decide to go play around together. 
Accepting his offer for dinner, she says she knows a better place than his suggested restaurants. Next, they are taking grocery bags into her condo. She moves quickly and gracefully turning on the stereo music by Lyle Lovett. Wait, what? Did Lyle Lovett write this? Uh, the grill on the balcony, putting the steak on, going upstairs and into one room, and then walking nude across the balcony to the shower. This is really strange. And the song that plays, the lyrics are very on the nose. It's like, it's a shame because you've been good up to now. It's like, mm, yes, <laughs> oh I think sometimes it's going to happen. Yeah. God. Oh, that that reminds me, I didn't bring it up in 24-Hour Woman. There's literally a song that plays that's like, you can't have it all. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, after dinner, she takes a bottle of wine upstairs, briefly hesitating. He follows her and they become lovers. That's who wrote this they become lovers okay she provides friendship and comfort in his difficult office and personal life i will fight whoever wrote this this is an alien talking right now (laughs) they become lovers because she provides friendship and comfort in his difficult time uh as can we do can we do that can we get like the the robot that like reads microsoft word back to you with that voice? oh yeah just get microsoft sam in here yeah it would make sense uh, as Dee Dee's wedding begins, begins the skies are darkened and thunder increasing. As the procession is blown by increasing wind, Dee Dee bypasses her groom, embraces and kisses Marilyn, and the skies open up, sending all the guests for shelter. Inspired, Dr. T drives his open-top convertible to Bree's house, where he asks her to marry and run away with him. He offers to fulfill her every need, and she asks why she would want that. This is what caused Kate's syndrome, according to her psychologist psychiatrist she says she has made other plans dr t asks if she was with harlan one of his golfing hunting buddies she replies i'm not with anybody distraught dr t drives off into the storm and into a tornado as it crosses (laughs) past and is lifted into the air tumbles in debris the scene fades to the morning after the camera view pans to reveal distant mountains surrounding a vast desert flat land his nearby car is found by three young Spanish-speaking children. A little girl in a white dress with a veil sees the doctor's badge on the front grille of the car, exclaiming, Doctor! They find and lead him still dazed to a circle of seven tiny houses where a woman is in labor. Galvanized by the sight, he immediately washes his hands, drops his wedding ring into the basin, takes charge and delivers the baby, holding it and rejoicing, It's a boy. Took a lot out of me. So I feel like there's a lot to talk. I mean, we that that <laughs> yeah description breezes over like a lot of like the the little parts in the movie that I think are like kind of where the movie's charm comes from. Although that ending, we need to talk about that. Like, oh soon, yes, I yeah, 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 same. Um, yeah. I mean, I I, I do. I will say the one um scene that I, I really do like uh, Richard Gere in that that scene where he tries to win Helen Hunt back and like he's like I think it's, it sticks out just because like he's so manic and everything just like yelling and like waving his arms or like back here against the wall <laughs> it is like scary how hyped up he is and everything and I like that she's sort of like is almost bemused like saying like okay like do you want some tea like come on like you know maybe simmer down <laughs> just a little bit I like that she sort of diffuses him a little bit in in that scene but um yeah it's funny too like how the wedding it's so casual how it all just kind of like implodes and everything where like Kate Hudson like and Luke Teller run off and she's like, I just want to be happy, dad. Bye. And then he's like, okay, be happy. He just like sort of yells <laughs> it over like the storm and everything. And yeah. It implodes, but like the fiddle music is just like going again as it usually does. Oh, that um, fiddle music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's like so many good like character bits though in this movie. I mean, I love, um, I mean, oh, Helen Hunt's character's name is Bree, and she, like, keeps saying it's, like, it's spelled, like, B-R-E-E, not, like, the cheese and everything, but then, like, when, like, one of the golf, uh, the, the country club, uh, 
employees like comes up to Richard Grease says like uh some the woman who works here uh the cheese she wants to talk to you or something like <laughs> I just do like sort of yeah. like that off kilter dialogue where like everyone's like just like not entirely sure how to express themselves. I don't know. I, 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 I at one point too, she says like it's like breed without the D. Where I was like, ah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> like you know, like <laughs> oh, she need like someone needs to get laid, like that Ooh. type of like you know, like <laughs> where I was like at first, I was like that's a little cutesy, and then what is what's the other one where she says it's like or Richard Gere says it's like breach without the C H, and mm-hmm. she's like I've never heard that one before or something. It's a little cutesy. Uh, yeah, sorry, just wanted to comment on that. <laughs> no, I mean, we could honestly just, like, this is, I mean, the plot of this movie, it's kind of hard to discuss it in, like, a, a linear way, I feel like, especially because <laughs> it feels like it's, like, so little, but also so much at the same time. I mean, especially how it ends up, but I feel like we could just go about, like, name bits that stuck out to us, whether they were good or bad. Uh, I feel like we could just <laughs> go around and name stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, going back to what Megan said about how, you know, it's Texas culture, I mean, I, I, it was so long ago, like 20 years ago, but I, when I visited Texas to visit some family friends, we went into, you know, a museum that was basically all dedicated to the JFK assassination. Like that stuff I've been there too. exists. And I found it so funny that Tara Reed is a conspiracy theorist who has all of the accurate information about the family, but like is also like this, like, <laughs> you know, is, has all of her work revolves around these conspiracy theories. And I have to admit that scene where she's on the tour guide, where she's like, and that X marks the spot where JFK's head potentially exploded. And then her phone rings and goes, excuse me for one moment. And then the rest of the tour guide just follows her while she's on a conversation. <laughs> like those types of like visual style humor where it's not even drawing attention. Cause like the main conflict is, her talking to Kate Hudson on the phone, but the fact that the camp, like those people are just kind of behind her at all times, <laughs> or the jokes, not really making it known, but it, it like, it asks you to be an active participant in viewing it in order to get something out of it. There's the Altman-esque like quirks that I miss in certain movies. So. Yeah. And like, just sort of like the chaos of this family, like spilling out into the real world. And like, sometimes people go along with it and others are just like, what, what is happening right now? Like the scene when <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. they're shopping, the scene where like they're shopping for like the, the wedding dress. And like, I think like there's like, I don't know if they're like looking at cakes, but like for some reason, Kate Hudson like has a knife or whatever. She's like going out to look for Farrah Fawcett. She's still holding a knife and the store, store keeper's like, hey, you, you have that knife or whatever. Like bring it back and get this. It's like, oh yeah, sorry. And she, and the way Hudson plays it off where she's like being very like, you know, kind of like jokey about it. And like the, the, the scene ends, I think with like the store keeper just like cocking her head like, what was that family's deal? Like, it's so strange <laughs> yeah, like, what just yeah. happened. It's, it's like, the, those little beats, I think, are just, like, very funny uh, throughout the movie. I mean, I just want to talk about the ending, to be honest. <laughs> oh, we can, but, like... No, 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 uh, go I'm, ahead. I, 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 will, you, will you mention the Shelley Long character, and I agree with you that the way that character ends up, where it's like, she's been secretly in love with him the whole time. That's a tired trope. I didn't really care about where that ended, but I do love all of, I guess this is the thing is I love the performances where Shelley Long has to be like for like 10 to 15 minutes, be like, there's a lot of women out here. And like, <laughs> he's like, I'll, I'll take care of it. And she's like, Oh, okay. Like she kind of has to play that charming, like assistant where she just can't break how annoyed she is. I found very relatable as to like, cause I, even in my, my line of work where I've had to like, pester people above me and be like look uh i have to deal with the public right now and they're not and they're just like one second and you have to be like all right like you know (laughs) i don't know i found that all very kind of endearing in a way (laughs) for sure i mean just kind of like the 
like the sort of unspoken rule of like politeness and everything even like these ridiculous situations where she's always like kind of like knocking but like lingering in the door joke is like hey just checking in like just like that <laughs> yeah. she keeps doing just like there's no reason for her to do that other than like i guess like society asked her to be like just keep this like cheerful facade up yeah it's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i have to say i don't know why this se- well maybe because i enjoyed it but this scene stuck out to me speaking of the office um, I love when Janine Turner comes out of the bathroom and she's like, I heard that because someone like called her yes. a bitch or something. And then the old woman whose hat she kept hitting sitting next to her, she like sticks her cane out to trip her. <laughs> it's so absurd and ridiculous. But I, I I agree. I think that seems funny because they've clearly had a feud in the waiting room for yes. so long and we don't ever yes. know really where it started, right. but it keeps going. <laughs> I found that. And then they're like putting her on the stretcher and the old woman's just kind of pretending that she wasn't a part of it at all. <laughs> just yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I'm just an old lady with a cane. Like, don't mind me. Like, I, I don't know. It's the, yeah, it's that sort of chaos where it's like, it's also just absurd because it's just an appointment with a gynecologist and they are like creating total havoc. You know, there's also that one character who's like, who is, I actually really like the scene where she's being really emotional because she's going through menopause and Richard Gere has a nice scene where he's just like, it's just normal. It's like going through puberty. It's fine. And she kind of walks out and is like, I'm going to be the best damn menopausal patient (laughs) you've ever had. Like, I thought that was funny and not mean in any way. Just kind of like, it's charming. I don't know. I thought it was nice. You know? (laughs) I mean, that's the interesting thing is like, there are moments where like Gere's character is like, it's like, oh, that is like kind of a nice approach to take to this character. But then like, it's his problem is like he's like yeah i am a pretty nice guy that's the problem and the other thing is too is i mean yes he's a gynecologist but he's never going to know what it's like to be a woman he's never going to know what yes. it's like to have menopause he's never going to know what it's like to give birth he's never going to know what any of those things are like so yes so they are all just waiting for the gynecologist but that's very it's fraught with a lot i mean there are a lot of bodily issues happening that can be very emotional very jarring and so yes but yes and 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 the scene with um i feel like it in in most other comedies that scene with Liv tyler where he realizes that Liv tyler is the woman that kate hudson's secretly in love with Mm -hmm. i love that there's a scene after that i was alluding to this before so sorry if i made it too obvious but (laughs) that scene where she talks to kate hudson and was like as soon as i mentioned my name i felt weird and it, the whole appointment felt off to me. Like, he figured it out, and I I just felt deeply uncomfortable. And Kate Hudson's kind of like, whatever. Like, th- 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 like, I know it sucks, but I still love you. And, and then Liv Tyler's also like, and I'm starting to feel like, you know, a bridesmaid, not a maid of honor. And then, like, I felt like, you know, we could have used a little more of that relationship, but it's also like we, we get it in a way that maybe it's because I love Kate Hudson and Liv Tyler as performers. But, you know, I felt like that whole relationship, I would have loved... Uh, loved a little more, but I think that kind of is kind of why I like this movie and why I like every Robert Altman movie is like, I could watch a whole movie about these people like, and their interior lives. Uh, And yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm curious, um, I guess, because it seems like Kevin, you're obviously much more negative. Megan, Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, because I think that, it didn't even get like bad reviews. It got like kind of like mid, like like mixed reviews. But I feel like this film, as for audiences, has a very negative reputation. I'm curious where 
like, do you think, obviously, I, I believe Kevin would say, yes, it absolutely deserves <laughs> that. Uh-huh. But like, but do they, like, do they have a score on cinema score lower than F? Is that possible? Well, they, it has a, I think it has a 4.7 on IMDb, which IMDb is fucking stupid. So I don't care about that anymore. But like, it is interesting to me that it is a film that wasn't like critically reviled, but is reviled by audiences. And it is a weird thing because it is ultimately kind of a very like, it's kind of a marshmallow of a movie in a weird way. <laughs> like I can't think of many movies that are like this kind of light and breezy that are as reviled. Like there's, I, I can understand like, and obviously Megan, you brought up how a lot of it is sexist and I'm not going to yes. argue with that at all. But do you think it deserves this hatred? Obviously I know where Kevin stands. <laughs> please, if you have anything else to say, Kevin, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just think it's interesting. I, yeah. So do I, I how... think it? Oh, I'm sorry. Do I think it, it deserves the hatred? Both of you, I Kevin. Guess, you you know. go. You've you've been quiet. <laughs> um. Well, there's there's a there's a long way to say this and a short way to say this. They're both uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I do love how the pull quote for uh, for Raj Ebert's uh, review says, uh, "When you hear that Doctor T is a gynecologist played by Richard Gere, you assume he's a love machine mowing down his patients. But nothing could be further from the truth." Do we really assume that about a gynecologist is a love machine? That's absurd. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, I I understand that it's nothing like offensive for like audiences to be like, oh, well, this is why it's bad or anything like that. As far as like, or just plain like, uh, makes the audience feel stupid like other F-star or F cinema score movies, but I mean, it mostly comes down to that ending because most of the movies on the F cinema scores are just like ones that, even if they are good movies, they have very provocative endings that make the audience be like, well, that was a waste of time type thing. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like bug bug is just fucking bug nuts at the end. And they're just like, Oh, what was the point of that type thing? Um, Wolf Creek, Mother. I mean, those movies do not behave. But yeah. just like kind of abrupt endings, like in the cut. I think the last scene is just like a door slowly closing, and then it's yeah. like cut to black. <laughs> it's just like people are like, "Wait, what?" I mean, I like that, yeah. movie, but it is just kind of like that is a very strange note to end that movie on. I love um, an abrupt. I love an abrupt ending. I love a shocking ending. Like, yes, yeah. give me the weird. Give me the abrupt. <laughs> But not this ending. But anyway, <laughs> and and I guess that that's the thing is like this is such an Altman ending. It's an absurd Altman ending, but it is an Altman ending. Like he's played upon this trope before. Yeah, I mean Gingerbread Man, which is one of the few Altman movies oh I've God. seen that John Grisham. <laughs> <laughs> that is that movie ends with like a climax where it's like like a monsoon practically like you know coming upon like new orleans it's like the characters are like fighting on like some dock or whatever it's like and this movie it's like i guess maybe like having like seen that kind of ending it's like yeah, okay this is like this seems kind of in line with all and also they talk about like the weather in texas like throughout the whole movie it's like they're planting the seeds clearly for like something happening with the weather at the end of the movie so when it came out, i was like Okay, yeah. sure. This, N- seems, this N- seems natural. I mean, maybe I'm just weird and like my brain's broken <laughs> or whatever. But, it's, yeah. but it is also an ending where like a cataclysmic event affects some people, but not all people. I mean, you think about shortcuts and the uh, the the earthquake, which is also playing with something horrific, which I will not spoil here, or Nashville, which ends with an assassination that does horribly affect some people and other people are have weird opportunities to achieve their goal but then they're conflicted and then it doesn't affect other people at all but other uh, but uh, i i i apologize because megan i I did ask you this question too and i do want to hear your response (laughs) 
<laughs> Charlie, I just want to say, like, when you're talking about how it affects some people but not others, do you mean, like, the randomness of a tornado and how he drives yes. into the tornado? Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I just want to make yes. Um, yeah, so I feel kind of conflicted because, like I said, I have a lot of problems with this film. I think the ending is ridiculous and absurd and not in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. Although I love the live birth. <gasps> Give me a live birth. Again, we talked about this in the 24-Hour <laughs> Woman last week. But I love seeing bodily functions. I love seeing fluids. Yes, give it to me. Give me more of that. I love it. So, yes, I love that. But I don't love how we get from point A to point B to get to the point Mm -hmm. of that birth. Um, Like I said, I think Richard Gere is fantastic in this. I think if we're talking from strictly an acting standpoint, this is such a great cast and they play really well off of each other. So I think if you're looking at it just from that angle – I don't think it deserves so much vitriol and hatred. But if you're looking at it kind of in its totality, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I still don't think it's that bad. I think it's fine. I think there are good elements. I think there are interesting elements. But I also think there are a lot of elements that are problematic and just do not Mm -hmm. work. So for me, it's kind of more eh, middle of the road, more to kind of the not great end of the road, I guess, the end of the spectrum. But yeah, but I mean, I, I can see why people were just like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? <laughs> but yeah, and especially from that ending. But yeah, but I, I don't know. I think there are still some good things here. So for me, I'm kind of like, eh, it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know how they marketed this movie. Like, what was the, tra- I haven't seen the trailer for this movie. I don't know if like they maybe just made it look, like, I don't know how you would like make this movie look marketable because it is so meandering and so, and until like that ending, which is like so abrupt, like it is. I don't. I. I don't know. I'll have to watch the trailer afterwards to see if like they tried to like make it look like just like a typical romantic comedy or whatever. But like it's because it's not typical <laughs> no. in that sense yeah. at all. Uh, I'm. Yeah. I'm sure they definitely played it up. That's just like, what am I gonna do? There's women everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That type of thing. And, and and I know we might have mentioned this before, but it is fascinating to me that Gosford Park came out a year later and is one of Baltman's most accessible like mainstream hits too. Like, yeah. It was preceded by this which is considered to be like the bottom of the barrel (laughs) i think he was probably like in production at gosford park while this was happening because if not i feel like people would have been like you want how much money to make it you just you just made a bomb for for artisan what are you gonna do man which i i think that's true yeah sorry yeah no in in that oral history on the the little slipper they have one dr t and the women i think they talk about how this is like a bit of a turning point for altman realizing like oh you can't just like let me burn money like with <laughs> with these movies anymore i kind of need to be a little bit more careful and think about what audiences want um yeah yeah because it was uh what was it uh budget of 23 mil and it made 22 mil i actually didn't say that i glossed over it because i put it in different order and yeah but yeah so that's not good but yeah, I'm pretty sure I was because I was reading that while it was coming out, he was already in talks and uh, scouting for Gosford Park and whatnot. So yeah, so that, so there was that. But uh, also while reading up on it and the interviews with uh, Ann Rapp and Altman and whatnot, it's just like they're really trying to nail home that this is like a modern day version of Job. And I'm just like, is it really? Because Richard Gere does not seem like very tested throughout this movie like his life i mean obviously his wife gets committed but five minutes later he's hidden on hell and hunt like it's not that big of a deal <laughs> yeah and like like him being detested is like oh no um 
shit, uh, there's a storm. What am I going to do? I'm being tested all the time, man. But then he enjoys the storm and is, you know, laughing and all the way to Helen Hunt's place and whatnot and then makes a fool of himself. And then he's like, fuck it, I'm going to go uh, drive into a tornado. But I, I guess, like, just like, is it like just taking away like everything from him at the end where like he loses like his he's not he doesn't have a house. He doesn't have his car anymore. And it's just like him out in the desert and like just sort of like, what will this guy do? Like when he's like left to his like the bare essentials of like the like like just like left to his bare elements. I don't know if that's maybe like yeah. what it is in the joke sense. I mean, yeah. Before we get to the ending, I do think that the as much as I did enjoy a lot of this film, I definitely and we touched upon this, but Farrah Fawcett definitely gets the short end of the stick here. Yeah. She doesn't really have a lot to do, Mm-mm. you know. And 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 you know, every other actress, I think why I enjoyed this is even if they are trending on problematic elements, at least I can see actors having fun. You know, like Laura Dern and Shelley Long are clearly having fun, and Farrah Fawcett's character just is crazy in quotes. I put that because I know that's awful to say, but she's kind of like you know, already by the time the movie starts, she's already got psychological issues and then is basically just stuck in that one mode in a way that, like, I like that the film does deal with her ending the marriage on her own terms, but at the same time, she's not really allowed to do anything except be in one mode, and that's not fun, and that's not, you know, anything farcical. You know, that's that's the one thing where I'm like... And I don't even think it's necessarily played for laughs. I honestly don't. But it is kind of like, well, it's Farrah Fawcett. So, do you think the whole fountain scene yes. or her it's things is played for laughs? It's a hundred yeah. percent played it's, for laughs. Okay, especially because. Go ahead, Megan. Sorry, oh, that's okay. <laughs> I know we're all like excited about it. It's so ableist and so awful that it is played for laughs and. Like, the fact that she's getting naked in the fountain, the fact that later she's like, oh, well, my sleeves were wet and they were all long. Like, yeah, I think it is absolutely played for laughs and it's really disturbing. And the fact that, like, there's so many ways they could have gone with having this same situation where, like, maybe his wife left him or maybe there's some other issue or maybe they're long distance or I don't know. They're, like, or his wife just left him, divorced him. There's so many other ways or she sick who knows but why did we have to go the mental illness route and a fake Mm -hmm. mental illness to boot and play it for laughs like it's just it's so ableist and bothered me so much and then we don't even get anything Mm -hmm. she doesn't have an arc she doesn't have a personality there's just nothing it's all about how great he is yeah and by the time she gets to the wedding she's still clearly not all there you know mentally she's still kind of just being kooky or whatever like that that didn't sit as well with me definitely yeah um, i mean there's even the laugh line where like she takes off her shoes when she's at the wedding and like her doctor says like okay like don't take anything off more than that and like yes, i'll admit like yes. i did i did i did yeah. i did chuckle with that line but it is pretty cheap i must say uh, when you think about the context yeah. of it yeah um i do think though that like again the movie is like dunking on gear and like how he doesn't exactly deal with it. i mean there's a line where he's like uh, on a hunting trip and like his his friend this is after i think he slept with helen hunt and uh they, uh, his friends asked like oh are you like gonna go see your wife he's like oh no i'm not going because uh i'm worried it might be like uh, that might like cause a setback in her mental health and i just wrote my notes mm-hmm, sure okay <laughs> like, <that's... laughs> I, I i do appreciate that like the scenes of him hanging out with guys is just like them being dumb hunters like shooting like those fucking I mean, hunting I mean, scenes i mean but megan you brought up in 24 hour woman the phallic imagery there where yes. it's just them like you know with rifles you know another phallic image and they're yep. all talking about shit they don't understand like and but it's and, so gendered in such a yeah. really essentialist way and it's so and 
it, yeah, it's just obnoxious to me. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's those certainly weren't my favorite scenes of the movie at all, at all. And yeah. I totally understand that criticism. I, I, um, yeah, I think there is a part of me that is defending this movie in a way because I, I was kind of like. I, I'm not saying I'm grasping at straws here, but there are, like, I saw little bits of Altman, and I haven't honestly watched an Altman film in a while, and I loved his aesthetic, and I think part of it is a little personal bias on my end to just kind of, like, take what I can get from it, and for <laughs> me it was enough. But I do acknowledge that every criticism that's being made is certainly valid here. So Yeah, I think yeah. the more we talk about it, the less I like this film. <laughs> do you think this is a good time to get to the ending i mean this movie, yeah no no no. we, we can keep of... talking i want her to be like at a half star in an hour we got this. <laughs> just keep going no, it just gets worse and worse declines <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, men be hunting and women be shopping is what this movie taught me uh, yes th- those hunting I mean, scenes they're, my god they're... and i was like is that is that is that andy richter is there, it are is. you in this <laughs> there is a quote i will say that um in this book, Altman on Altman, the um, interviewer put, in spite of it being written by a woman, the film received quite a bit of criticism for its portrayal of the Dallas ladies with their perfect hair and obsession with clothes and accessories. And uh, Altman said, I'm crazy about the film, but a lot of women journalists, because of political correctness, couldn't praise it. They'd say, wait a minute, is this a misogynistic film? Are you making fun of women? I'd say, go to Dallas or pick up Vogue and thumb through it and tell me I'm satirizing women when they go shopping in Dallas for this is the truth. You'll see them there. Uh, dressed to the nines, rich women don't have anything else to do down there, and the women in the picture playing those women were those women. I had big sessions with them. 20 a day would come in, and they told me that's all they did. They tried to get their names in the paper, so they get invited to more parties. It's kind of a contest, and everybody uh, does behave that way. As far as the way we showed lesbianism in the film goes, I don't think there was anything stereotypical about that. Men and women see a different film in Dr. T, and I think women got that film the most. I found that to be an interesting passage. Wow. Here. Please quit <laughs> saying quotes from this book. It makes me hate the movie more. I know. Me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm just throwing it out there for conversation starters. There's I so think much it, wrong with that. So much I, wrong with what I know. Said. And to be fair, this book was published in, let me see. I mean, you know, Altman died in 2006. It was published in 2005. Um and again, I love Altman. I'm not saying he's a feminist filmmaker or anything like well, that. Well, no, he's clearly, yeah, uh, not, uh, certainly but, not in this film. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, yeah. It, or any film, but anyway. I, I guess I just find it fascinating because I don't know any other filmmaker who can make a film, flaws and all, quite like, like it feels like such a distinct vision, warts and all, and I guess based on my own biases, I'm able to be like, oh, I find this, particular bit juicy or interesting and maybe that's just me i think i it is a personal thing that i'm realizing as i talk about this film like you none of you are wrong i just like it's a certain aesthetic uh style that i find particularly interesting to dissect and analyze if that makes any sense (laughs) i just have to say as someone who reads vogue that's an absurd statement that that's how women are like, Oh my I, I God. Do not. And I do not, I do not. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that quote yeah. I just read, but I did think it was an interesting passage. I mean, the thing of it is, is that again, you know, as I said earlier, it's, de- it is definitely showing and depicting a very specific section of society. It would have been great if there was an actual commentary, but no, there's not. <laughs> so any, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Anyway. I'm just getting mm-hmm. angry the more we talk about this. <laughs> yeah, this is this might be putting too much on it, but why do I kind of feel like he was like 
but I can do whatever I want because it's written by a woman. So yes! you can't you can't criticize it. It's written by a woman. It's well, like, that's the Tiff quote. That's the quote he gave a Tiff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and and for yeah. the record, I also, as someone who is defending this movie, believe that is utter bullshit as well. I'm not saying yeah, that dude. that is okay. <laughs> like. Like, films written by women can also be sexist. I'm not trying to defend that at all. Of course. Oh, yes. (laughs) My goodness. I I just watched, uh, what was it, Last Night in Soho, the Edgar Wright movie, and holy God. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. We could do a whole episode about why that film pissed me off. That That movie puts me in Kevin's mindset. (laughs) Oh, my God. That movie. That that script is doo-doo. I mean, he didn't write it, but it's it's like, oh, my gosh. No, but it's a hot mess. Yeah. yeah, like, if it wasn't him directing it, which I think he's a fantastic director, it would have been even worse for me. Yes. Because about mm-hmm. halfway through, I was like, what the fuck are we even doing, dude? <laughs> why you, why you I, make why you make a, 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 a Terrence Stamp be a part of this? Come on now. The cinematography and the editing are great. That's... Yeah. 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 The production design, he, I can say that. He was, he was just so out of his element, like... Like you have you have a lane, stick to it. You don't have to keep going out of it or try to go out of it. Like I think all of your movies so far have been great, and then you're just like, I'm gonna zag and I'm like, mm, you should just <laughs> zag. Yeah. I remember you texting me about that. What like you almost live texted me about that, Kevin, and I was like, uh huh, yep. Like everything you were. Oh yeah, like, I was just like, yeah, this isn't yeah. that. I was like, this isn't that good, but I was like. What what are what are people like really upset about it? Because I don't, I was like, oh, this is just a bad ending or whatnot. And I was like, yeah, it's not exactly good for this or this. But I was like, I know there's people that are like fucking hate this ending. And I was just like, okay, I didn't get all that, but I then I read all about. It. I was like, okay, I got that, but y'all y- y- y'all said it more eloquently than I could. But yeah, no, nah, not good. Yeah, no, wildly problematic. But yeah, but back to. Uh, what were you talking about? Oh, Doctor T. <laughs> what's the movie? What's the movie? We're we're I know, right? Like, what's the movie? Yeah, I want to talk for just a moment about how oh, a woman wrote this, so it can't be sexist. And first of all, like you all said, yes, of course it can because women can reify sexism as well and perpetuate sexist tropes but not only that but it's not directed by a woman it's directed by a dude and he's still taking her script and interpreting it so that's just it's it's just absurd all around it's ridiculous that is such a ridiculous argument Mm -hmm. charlie did you say that he took cookie's fortune and kind of rewrote it or this movie no i Uh, I didn't yeah Yeah, it was in the oral history i think like um it was robert benton who like said like yeah oldman like didn't make any changes to cookie's fortune like let her just sort of like have control over that but then like he like just like went and like changed like almost everything in dr t and women and benton views it as if like and benton views it as if like oldman was like pissed about the success of cookie's fortune was like maybe sabotaging it but then like then ann rapp said like I don't know. I think we have like a pretty good working relationship and everything. So it's maybe <laughs> different accounts or whatever. So the ch- so the check them. cleared is what was what happened. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say. I mean, Ro- yeah, Robert Altman was a you know a huge director, a big name, very acclaimed. I mean, she might not have wanted to you know piss him off or piss off others in Hollywood because it is so hard right. for women to get films made. So. Right. Yeah. I also feel very strange now talking about this that I am agreeing with 
the fact that there are many sexist tropes in this movie, but my favorite parts were just watching women have fun, and I feel very but conflicted. It's, it's dialectical. About that. Those both, yeah, those like, two things can exist simultaneously. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Because I loved all of the the performances in this movie, mm-hmm. all of them, even if they were bad tropes. I just had so much fun watching. Like maybe because this type of thing doesn't get made anymore, and I'm just getting spoiled. I I, I don't know. Uh, True. Like one of my favorite uh, genres is just gals being chicks. So I understand. But I was not feeling it with this. Not Wait, feeling it with what? This. Gals being chicks? Yeah, where it's just women hanging out, being fun. You know, that's the type of movies that I'm just like, oh man, I need more of those. Where it's just there's like almost no plot. They're just friends, and it's great. It's heartwarming. And I so love you, it. so you would have loved if it at the end of this movie, Richard Gere drove into a tornado, and then they all started singing the penis song from Sweetest Thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything would be great if that song was in every movie. Yeah. Okay, we've delayed um, the inevitable. Yeah. Let's just do it. Uh, do I need to reread this? No, he gets into a tornado and delivers a baby anyways. <laughs> uh, what is everybody's takeaway from that? Because my takeaway from that is, what the fuck is this ending? What does this have to do with anything? And then when I started thinking about it more, I was just like, so even like miles away, he can still, miles away from his problems, he can still have like this massive ego about himself, even though he just didn't yeah i yeah it's also the fact that like he's been delivering so many girls but then like he's just like rejoicing that he delivers a baby boy i'm like thinking, yeah. is it Thank like you. he's happy is he he's happy now that he's not surrounded by women i'm like yeah and the kind women of, he's surrounded by can't understand him yeah yeah i was thinking oh my gosh like, it's just like like undermining the whole movie's argument where like i thought it was being so subversive i'm like trying to think like is there like maybe another angle i'm missing but like, i i i kind of read it a separate way because if it if it went from the wedding to the tornado i would have been like yeah no but like the fact that helen hunt justifiably is like i can't run away with you and he's like <laughs> but i can take care of you and as we mentioned the plot synopsis she's like why would i want to do that oh you were with that guy one of my hunter friends in new orleans and she's like I'm not with anybody. You don't have autonomy over me. And the fact that he then drives into a tornado and it, I guess that's kind of, I know this is going to sound weird, but it made all the more broad farcical elements kind of make sense to me that like, okay, we're not in full reality here that he can just drive into a tornado and and end up in Mexico (laughs) and survive, end up in Mexico that, that, you know, some child can read doctor on his license plate and be like, doctor, doctor. Like it's, I kind of read it as a criticism, but maybe I'm just seeing what I want to see there yes. with the, it's a boy thing. I, I know, I know. I, <laughs> but again, like I, I, I found it to be kind of funny that he's like, Oh, it's a boy. I don't have to deal with feminine problems. Like I found it to be kind of like, critiquing him and also how the fuck is he gonna get home how is he gonna you know like it's just absurd but it's so audacious in its boldness that i kind of was like okay this is wackadoo but it's also like altman has used weather for climactic endings before it's not the best it's easily not the best thing he's ever done but i still found it interesting and like maybe it's just gotten to a point that I'm interested in, like, it's so clearly got Altman's DNA all over it, and it doesn't exactly work, but I find it interesting, if not necessarily successful, if that makes sense. Oh, it's an interesting ending and an interesting film. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was like, well, that took a swing. I don't know how well it 
you know, I don't know if it hit the ball or not, but listen, <laughs> I was so mesmerized watching that baby's head come out and being born that I didn't even care about the rest of the film. I'm like, I don't even know what's <laughs> happening. I'm mesmerized by this birth. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> Which drop. is weird. Cause I think that is the entire reason the movie's rated R pretty much that in yeah. the nude scene in the fountain. Like that's it. And even that, that's like not, that's like kind of like a far away shot and whatnot. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I was just like, why is this rated R for like the entire runtime? And I was just like, oh, oh. That's, also, it's two hmm. thousands, and they mention uh, queerness in some ways, so they probably saw oh, yeah. rating on it. And re- the MPA was just like, "What? R? Liv yeah. Tyler and Kate Hudson are sucking face? No, thank you Those to the family. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, They'll was, take your men away. Yeah. I, I just, I just tried to remember what the MPA classification for Twister was. Rated PG thirteen for intense depiction of very bad weather. Where was that classification <laughs> for for <laughs> Oh man. It almost. It also almost becomes like Lynchian because he's stuck in that tornado for a good one to two minutes at one point where I was like, I was like, is this going to be the ending? Because I was like, (laughs) I expected this. But then, and I was like, okay, so he probably just killed himself or something. And then, oh my God, he's in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are in Texas, I guess. But Texas is a really big fucking state. And Dallas is not anywhere near the border as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) No. I thought that too. I was like, "Isn't he trying to kill himself here?" Like, there's like, it's like that's yeah. very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yes, but the birth scene for me was great, <laughs> but the rest of the ending was terrible, so bad. I was like, I was just, it's like I wasn't even surprised by the ending because I had just been like, <laughs> literally walking through quicksand while trying to watch a movie is what it felt like. Oh, but no. and then I was just like, oh, that's it. Oh, cool. I also like to be flipped off when I just gave two hours to a movie, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, the MPAA rating reasons, that reminds me of the great one for Spawn 1997, where it's PG-13 for thematic elements involving the demonic underworld. Okay. Involving <laughs> <laughs> the demonic underworld. Uh, I or the, I... Oh, my God. Oh, what was the one for Alice in Wonderland rated PG for some peril and like a smoking caterpillar or yes, something? Yes. I think that was also one yep. of those. Smoking will get you a PG rating. <laughs> yeah. But especially if it's a caterpillar. Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially. But I just want to say, Kevin, you in a group chat before I watch this movie put Strangeland is better than Dr. T and the women. And I have to say, yes. no, sir. Yes. No. Yes. No. No. <laughs> Does this movie have System of a Down? I wish no. it did. Who's better? Who's better? System of a Down, Lyle Love It. System of exactly. a Down, 100%. There you go. 1,000%. That makes it better. Okay, well, if we're basing it on scores, Jesus Christ, but oh my God. That's all this I is, have to go on but, on both of these movies, honestly. This has, like, good, this has like good performances. Strangely, has no good performances. Like, everyone is like, really. Uh, did really. you forget that D. Snyder was was uh, nominated for, uh, I've seen here, a Blockbuster Award? No, probably. <laughs> oh, I don't wow. know. <laughs> oh, for a satellite award. award yeah um i would even though yeah strange land is technically a worse movie i would much rather watch that than this i would watch dr t and the wind five more times than ever have to endure strange land ever again one of the worst movies we've ever covered for this show oh i don't disagree i don't disagree um but i mean yeah one has chat rooms the other doesn't this one has a wedding i like weddings there's um, a wedding that gets disrupted because they're like, lesbianism. we're gay. Fuck all of you. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 
I do and I kind of love that everyone's like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, wait, there's a tornado. Who cares? Everyone's happy, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, oh, I don't know. But it's also very uh, queer phobic because you could also argue, oh, two queer women getting together caused an apocalyptic weather front. It's true. Is it's it? No, I don't. I wouldn't go that I think it's. Far. I think it's they're not like there's not like a cause and effect between them I and mean, i think they're happening like simultaneously one doesn't cause the other because like i think you see like the burbling clouds and like the, you hear the thunder like even before like the wedding happens and then like yes. yeah i don't think it's about but yeah i, no, that, yeah. That, that would I, I would argue more that it's about dr t's life falling apart than the wedding and how he interprets the gay wedding as a part of his life how falling is it apart. following but, right, apart, exactly. but he's but how is a gay wedding or how is a gay romance making his life fall apart? Like you're right, but yeah. I, anyway, I, I guess I found his the life film is to be, so easy, <laughs> dude. Maybe I'm rewriting it well, in my wife head is as what I want to see. Committed in a mental see. institution. That's sad and difficult. But he doesn't care. Well, that is also and, true. Yeah. He's losing clients. I mean, like there's like the Andy Richter's wife says, like we are going to find a different gynecologist or whatever. He's like, but we could still hang yeah. out or whatever. And then like we're um, only here we out of respect for Dee Dee. Yeah. yeah. And then. Shelly Lawn says, like, yeah, I actually don't want to work for you anymore. I want to be a pastry maker or whatever. Like, I'm not going to lie. That made me laugh so hard. Because <laughs> it came out of nowhere. <laughs> but again, it's like all these lives exist outside of Dr. T's orbit, which is kind of at least maybe this is exact. Maybe I'm just contorting this into what I want to see and what the movie's not doing. But this is exactly why I thought that was so funny is that He's like, oh my god, my daughter's wedding's going to shit. Not viewing it as a happy celebration of the fact that, okay, we're finally ready to come out in Texas in 2000, and we're like, fuck all of you. And he's viewing it as very part of his internalized self. And then he drives into the tornado because of the Helen Hunt thing falling apart. I guess that's what my reading of it was. Not so much a gay wedding causes the... Um, I mean, I know Tara Reid also does say, like, we can't have it outdoors. It's going to be awful outdoors or whatever. But I I don't know. She also I, outs I mean, her sister. Yeah. She totally, that's super shitty then, of her to do. That's super shitty. Right? Well, I do think it's funny, though, that she's like, oh, oh, by the way, Dee Dee's a lesbian. But I do have to get back to the museum because there's a bunch of conspiracy theories about, <laughs> about how John we are Oswald. Or John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, about how John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. I don't know. Because <laughs> it, like, again, equating the that she knows all the facts and then is also kind of insane with all this. Like, she's pre-internet. She's pre-like QAnon Reddit almost in a way. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh, the sequel like, with Tara Reid when we find out that she's she's QAnon. That's gonna be wild. <laughs> that's a, that sequel will have chat rooms. Yeah. <laughs> It'll have Reddit boards, chat rooms, four System chance. of a down. <laughs> God, I gotta watch it. God damn it. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, it's like I 1000% Brian and Charlie, uh, y'all always uh, say great things, but it's like I, I hear what you're saying, and then I'm just like, uh, I bought the DVD and I put in the same movie as y'all, but I think I got like different cut or something I don't know. <laughs> it's just like oh okay i was just like that ah, but I, yeah i i don't know like i've this is like the only movie that is like truly just like 
infuriated me that we've done which is funny because we've done like worse movies but they've been so bad that they've been like enjoyably bad or like ones that i'm just fascinated in how they were made and this one i'm just like this it literally felt like just a waste of my time like type of thing where i was just like i was not invested in anybody i thought i would at least like get because there's so many people that i like in it that uh, that it would give me something but i don't know i'm also just not like we said in the intro, I'm just not on uh, Altman's wavelength more times than not, so maybe that contributes to it, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, I will not be visiting this doctor's office anytime soon. <laughs> um, I don't think you'd be allowed, but that's... <laughs> well, I don't know. Just let me have my Gene Shalik moment in, please. Uh, Charlie, yeah. what do you think? Uh, yeah, to, I mean... I am very much an Altman. Uh, I'm fascinated by Robert Altman movies. So I think my takeaway is I got more out of this than you, Kevin. And uh, I, But I acknowledge both you and Megan's criticisms. I think they're entirely valid. And, I'll, and, and Bryden, your criticisms too. Uh, even though I know you're more positive on this like me, I, I think it's a fascinating entry into a director's over of work i think it's i think it's not like again i think it's not uh if you are an altman geek like me uh it's worth watching if you're not on altman's wavelength or it's like i would never recommend anyone just throw this on without knowing what they're getting into it's not even though and maybe that's also we talked about this earlier why so many people who just went into it blindly despised it i do think it's a fascinating film warts and all I did find enjoyment in it. It's still lower tier in terms of the director's work. I I can't deny that I found a lot of stuff fascinating in it, while also acknowledging it is very flawed. So that's where I stand. Megan, final thoughts? Sure. So I think Richard Gere is great in this. I think a lot of the acting is really great. Great cast. Um but yeah, I think this is a wildly problematic film, incredibly ableist, the mad woman in the attic trope, which I hate, very sexist in many ways. Um, I do love a live birth, though. <laughs> that is a memorable ending. I will give it that. So yeah, so very, for me, this is a very uneven film. But the more we talked about it, and this was such a great conversation, the more we talked about it, the more I disliked this film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also imagining now that you brought this up, Megan, like, because it, it, it kind of seems like watch the like if anyone were to watch the final 10 minutes be like wow this is fascinating and then you read about what happens before and you're like wait what <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah because if you just watch from when he's emerging from the tornado wreckage and delivers the baby you're like this is a fascinating film I need to see the rest <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you don't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bryden sent us home. Uh, yeah, I think uh, this is a very uneven movie. I think like the, the the jokes are hit or miss. Some of them are like just like on the nose in a way that like really kind of grinds my gears, and then others I think are kind of like uh, off kilter in a way that I find very amusing. And I think it's especially funny how like it will be like a cluster of dial like of overlapping dialogue, and then like just like something like you'll hear like a snatch of dialogue, and you're like, oh, that's like a an interesting thing that I wasn't expecting to hear. Like, that's, like, I, I enjoyed the dialogue in that regard often. And I think all the performances are very good. Uh, some of them might 
actors that I would like to be see pushed in like this direction more where like they they do some actors like should maybe do more comedy uh uh like Kate Hudson is I think is like very good in this uh and mm-hmm. uh like like just like just like a relaxed quality to like some of her scenes with Liv Tyler where I'm like oh this is like just like so lovely and sweet um and I think I'm like sort of like a little bit torn about how it treats the Richard Gere character because I think like it is like taking him to task for like his his flaws a lot of the time but then I'm also not entirely sure about uh how much the movie sort of sympathizes with uh his uh more problematic views uh, especially the ending as we discussed um but i guess i maybe maybe part of that conflict uh, conflicted views is maybe why i find the movie interesting and also like charlie talked about like this movie is so like it's distinctly altman's like style and vision that like it is like there is like something to appreciate there and like it, like it is like uh like just someone like putting effort into the movie clearly and like i think um it pays off too and like you know like the sort of organized chaos of like all the overlapping dialogue and like the panning cameras and everything it's like people just like you know clamor into the frame um yeah i i i i do think this is like an interesting sort of interesting if flawed uh curio uh and also just like one little i sometimes like to squeeze in trivia uh the the uh the final uh sequence where like the camera's just like panning out from like the desert uh it says the just a special credit for uh Ed Lackman, uh, who shoots a lot of uh, stuff for like Todd Haynes and Sofia Coppola, uh, he's like credited as like the Desert Unit DP or whatever, and I just thought that was kind of cool. They had a separate credit for that, but uh, yeah, great cinematographer, uh, you know, and just cool. They worked on an all in movie. Uh, that's it. Yeah, the the regular uh, DP, he was just like, "So you want me in the desert?" And there was like, "You can't handle the desert. I brought somebody <laughs> else in. You don't know how to pan out from the desert." Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterbox at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at CT Nash91. Once again, thank you for listening.